This is episode 231, Learn How to Self-Soothe with Alexis. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. everybody and welcome back to the show. Thank you again so much for listening. I've been reading a lot of the reviews that many of you are leaving for the show on iTunes. I so appreciate that. We're almost 2,000 reviews. I'd love to get to 2,000 in the next month. We definitely have enough listeners to do that. So if you enjoy the show and you haven't written a review, please head over to iTunes and do that. Giving it a rating is great. Five stars is appreciated. And just spending 30 seconds, a minute, just sharing a few sentences about why you love the show and what you get from it or what you've learned from it. So another great show for you today with Alexis. Her initial question is about getting over an abusive relationship, but we go so much deeper than that. Before we dive in, something really exciting that I want to share with you is the Cart for B-School open today. You may be wondering what B-School is. Well, B-School is the online training program for modern entrepreneurs taught by my friend, Marie Forleo, who is going to be on the podcast that I'm going to put up tomorrow. We're going to do an early coach's corner and put it up tomorrow. She is just the most heartfelt entrepreneur that I know, and she is a whiz at teaching you how to make money doing what you love. I love B-School. It's been very helpful in my business, and every year I'm a proud partner, meaning that if you register through my B-School link, you get some really special bonuses. So in addition to all the incredible content that B-School teaches you, you get some really, really awesome bonuses. The bonuses from me this year include four group coaching calls, because B-School is a lot of information and starting your own business or taking it to the next level can bring up a lot of stuff. And I am there to coach you both strategically and practically on business things, because I do know a lot about business, being an entrepreneur since 2004, and also any of the mental or emotional blocks that come up as you're going through the program. Fear, self-sabotage, imposter syndrome, all things that are likely to come up for a lot of aspiring or current entrepreneurs. So you get those four group coaching calls. They're 90 minutes. I coach you live. I take your questions and they're always recorded if you can't make it live. Four custom meditations. I recorded meditations specifically related to the B-School content that will help you assimilate the information. A Facebook group that I'm very active on along with Jill Esplin, who is just masterful at answering your business questions, especially around business management, sales, enrollment, all the things that she does for our business. And, and check out these two bonuses because these are just priceless. You get a one day retreat with me. So every year for my B-School grads, I offer a one day retreat. That's a little bit of a mastermind as well. You come, it's probably going to be in Austin this year. And you get to mastermind with me, with Jill. We help you with sales enrollment. We dig into your business. People that have come to the free bonus day have said that that was worth the entire price of B-School. It's just so valuable. And we're throwing in a new bonus this year, which is you get free access to my masterclass for coaches 
retreat leaders, facilitators, basically anyone who wants to be a influencer or helper in the personal development space. I have an online masterclass where I teach you how to be masterful and profitable as a coach. Everything from identifying your avatar, marketing, how to enroll clients, how to deal with objections, how to build retreats and enroll those. It's a super comprehensive, very valuable course. So you get all of that. And if you want to check all that out, if it was a lot to take in, just go to christinehassler.com slash bschool. If you missed the free training videos that Marie put out, you can go to christinehassler.com slash training. If you can't remember all of that, just email Jill at christinehassler.com and she'll hook you up as well. So Alexis, our caller today, like I said earlier, she has questions about how to find self-worth after getting out of an abusive relationship. But what we really get to is self-worth is part of the issue, but not really the direction that she needs to go the most. Really, she needs to go into self-soothing. And you'll learn about that as you listen to the call. So as you're listening, consider, are you getting out of a breakup? Do you ever fear that you're codependent or have codependent patterns? As a child, did you ever feel like you were walking on eggshells? And how are you at self-soothing? When you get triggered, when you get a big emotional reaction, do you try to distract yourself with it, even by doing something positive, like positive thinking or affirmations, but you're not really actually dealing with the feelings? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my session with Alexis. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for the week. Most of you who've been listening to the show know that Steph and I are currently in between homes. We move into our new home in Austin March 1st, but we have been living out of suitcases since November 30th. We are currently on our 16th place that we've stayed. So we've slept in 16 different beds and slept a lot of suitcases. Well, Steph's done most of the schlepping, but we've just been schlepping a lot of things. And I've had to really cut down on what I can travel with. And one thing that always makes my suitcase is my third love bras. I love my third love bras because they make me feel comfortable and confident and they fit perfectly. All of third love bras are designed to fit you, not the other way around. They're designed with measurements from millions of women. And so their bra sizes are meant to fit your life. They have over 80 bra sizes, even with half cup sizes. So you're sure to find the one that fits you. You can go to thirdlove.com slash over it and take their Fit Finder quiz. Over 15 million women have taken the quiz today. It's actually fun and takes less than a minute to complete. And you can really identify which kind of bra is going to fit your size and shape the best. Third Love offers the perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. If you don't love it, return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. And returns and exchanges are always free and easy. And like I said, it's a hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own, which is why I always travel with mine. Straps that don't slip, tagless labels, no itching. And Third Love donates all of their gently used return bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, Third Love has donated over 15 million in bras. So here's your call to action. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash over it to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash over it for 15% off today. And now onto my call with Alexis. Alexis, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hi. So I've been on your coaching calls before and I've kind of been diving a lot into self-work and everything like that. Um, So there's 
a lot of things that I know we cannot get accomplished in this 15 minutes. But basically, my biggest thing right now is like many people, I just got out of a relationship that was emotionally and physically abusive. And so I recognize that I need to work on codependency, which I feel like I need to go to therapy for that. But um, another thing is, is just kind of finding myself worth again after the, all of that is the biggest thing that I'm struggling with. Well, I really acknowledge you for getting out of it. It's a big deal. I hope you're proud yeah. of yourself for that. And this is where self-worth starts, Alexis, is being proud of yourself. Because I know just from what you said, that there's probably some judgments and there's some voices in your head, like, why did I stay in it? How did I attract this? And so there might be some self-judgment. And a big part of gaining self-worth is noticing when that judger voice comes in and shifting it to something that is more soothing. And also encourages us to feel proud of ourselves because when we have self-worth, we acknowledge ourselves. We feel proud of ourselves. So can you feel in this moment proud of yourself for getting out? Uh, yes. Um, Is there a button there? <laughs> I was just going to say a but, but I'm also, I know I'm working on that because I have been working on like how I talk to myself and I have been recognizing lately that even when I'm proud of myself for like, I just graduated college, even when I'm proud of myself for that, there's always a but after it, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it took me forever or same with the relationship. I got out of it, but I still want to talk to him or it took me forever. Or am I going to track that in the future? There's always a but. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. How long were you in the relationship? On and off for a, a little over two years. Okay. And what do you think attracted you to him? Well, initially it was his stability. So he had a stable job. He was living on his own. It was very different from everyone else that I had dated. So initially that was what attracted me to him. And then quickly it fell apart where he lost his job. And I mean, from the get go, I noticed that he didn't handle stress well or life situations well. So that was like the initial red flag. And then it kind of just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And would he be abusive only in times of stress or was it pretty consistent? It really didn't matter. He was just consistently emotionally or physically abusive. So the physical abuse only happened once, which I know doesn't make it correct but, or right, but the emotional abuse was pretty much all the time. Even I would say it was emotional abuse when I specifically asked him to not talk to me in certain ways and he still did it, um, which he would write it off as he was just joking and I need to lighten up. <laughs> mm -hmm. And how was he emotionally abusive? When he would do something, ooh, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I think a lot of times I would get blamed for things mm -hmm. and like, I would go into a conversation knowing what I wanted to say and then leave feeling crazy <laughs> because he would put blame on me and say, literally call me crazy and say mean things to me that would, I would just back down instead of sticking up for myself. Mm -hmm. Cause he would say he didn't want to fight. So instead of sticking up for myself, I just shut down. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, how was he, was he ever emotionally available? Did you ever feel like he was empathic with you? No. Um, yeah. I guess actually in the beginning, there was a few times that he would say like, let's sit down and like talk about things. And he would act like he wanted, it's kind of crazy because in the beginning it was like what I wanted, but it didn't last very long. Yeah. So you're saying a couple things here, Alexis, that make me think that he might have either been a narcissist or had narcissistic tendencies. You're saying that in the beginning he was kind of into you. Very common. Narcissists are very good at charming and being all into you in the beginning. You're saying that you'd go into a conversation thinking one thing and knowing what you need to say, but then ending up ended up feeling confused. He'd put the blame on you. You'd feel kind of crazy. This is all very typical of narcissistic tendencies or even narcissism. You already knew that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which as far as I'm understanding people that are codependent is kind of like they attract narcissistic people. Yes, that can definitely happen. And let's back up from codependence just a little bit because the other thing that can happen often is that empaths attract narcissists, people that are highly sensitive, people that are big feelers, people that, and a lot of times people that have trauma as a child actually become more empathic because their sensory system was so overloaded and overstimulated in some ways. And often as a response to trauma, we are become even more, more sensitive. There's kind of two ways we can go. We can sort of shut down or we can become even more sensitive. And the thing with empaths is that we see beyond the narcissism or the tendencies. I'm sure some part of you saw his heart. I'm sure some part of you saw his potential. I'm sure some part of you thought that just by loving him, that maybe he would change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So just know you're not alone in this. And I really encourage you to listen to the Coach's Corner I put up with Dr. Judith Orliff. And it talks, she talks a lot about empaths. She wrote the Empaths Guide to Survival. And one of the things that she, and she's a psychiatrist as well. And one of the things that she points out is that it's very, very common for empaths to end up with narcissists or those with narcissistic tendencies. So to help with your self-worth, I think it's important to know you're not crazy, you're not stupid, you're not weak, and you're not alone. This is common. I guess, um, a lot of what you're saying is things that I already know, honestly. It's just, um, I guess, when it comes to handling childhood trauma, I feel like there's some form of a block. And I was thinking about it because I've talked to Jill many times about your retreat and the mastery class and everything like that. And there's something in me that has always stopped myself from doing it. And then if I look back, it's kind of a pattern because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in therapy for a long time, but I mm-hmm. never really got to like the core of my issues because mm-hmm. I would just talk about like surface level things like communication or how to handle, you know, arguments or anything like that. And those are all good things, but I never really would dive into like the core root of the problem. <laughs> 
Well, you said something, you said a lot of the things I've said, you already know, which tells me you're, you're kind of stuck in the awareness phase of personal development. Okay. And this can be a frustrating phase because you know a lot, (laughs) but things aren't shifting. And that's because you identified it. You're not willing or maybe ready is a better word to actually go into the deeper work. And I understand that because it can feel really, really scary and feel very scary. The spring retreat would be perfect for you. And I understand why also it feels like a lot. So if you're willing, are you willing to share at all about what's happened to you and what the trauma is? I can't pinpoint anything, but I can tell you like growing up, my dad, I have a half sister and I just remember a lot of the times like my dad and her would fight and my mom and her would fight. So there was a lot of tension in my house. I just always call it like walking on eggshells. Like it was constantly Mm -hmm. walking on eggshells and I didn't really get any relief from that until we moved out of Nebraska and moved to Colorado and my sister didn't live with us anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's where a lot of it stems from. I would assume, but I can't necessarily like pinpoint anything. I just connect my childhood with this feeling of like unease. Yeah. And that's, you've pinpointed it beautifully. Yeah. That's it. So one of the most important things for you, even above and beyond self-worth is learning how to self-soothe because you spent your childhood when your brain and nervous system was developing, walking on eggshells, you didn't feel safe and you didn't feel like a lot of your needs were attended to because it sounds like a lot of focus was placed on your sister. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So you felt like you were walking on eggshells. You felt a little abandoned. You felt alone at times. Is all this accurate? Yeah. Okay. So can you see why going back and dealing with that would be scary? If you associate dealing with your own trauma to feel the same as it might've felt for you growing up, I can see why you wouldn't want to go back and work on it. Yeah. Because there's a massive part of you that doesn't like the conflict and doesn't like the intensity and doesn't like the chaos. And I'm wondering if a part of you does just doesn't want to go back there and doesn't want to have to feel all that. And when I have gone back there in therapy in the past, it often comes out as anger mm-hmm. <laughs> and just causes more conflict. It comes out as anger at who? My dad. Mm-hmm. And how does it cause more conflict? I mean, I don't know, just being short with him or not like being around him. Do you live with him? Currently, yeah, but before I did it. So just let that emotion come up. How do you feel about your dad? Um, Honestly, now, like... <sighs> not bad like we have a great relationship now and maybe that's part of the fear of doing therapy is we're finally in a good place Mm -hmm. and I don't want to ruin that yeah but my love you're ruining yourself yeah because you're attracting men 
that bring about the same walking on eggshells feeling that you had at home? Yeah, that's definitely true. And dealing with it isn't going to make your relationship worse. It's going to make your relationship better. Maybe not in the short term, but definitely in the long term. How much longer are you living with him? Uh, I'm moving out in March and my plan is I got the personal mastery. So I stopped thinking about it. I just got it. So I'm going to start it after I move out was my plan. I think that's a beautiful plan. And it makes perfect sense to me that when you are diving into the past in therapy, that anger comes up because there is a lot of anger there. A lot of anger that sounds like, why are you fighting all the time? A lot of anger at your sister, a lot of anger at your dad, just a lot of anger at your unmet needs. And it's healthy for that to come up. But I think because you're not sticking with the therapy, you're not sticking with the processing of it, you're you're sort of sticking a toe in getting triggered and then getting scared, not liking that feeling, but then you end up leaking all that unprocessed anger. It's like you opened it a little bit it's, and it starts leaking out rather than actually feeling the feeling all the way through and getting to the other side of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I see that in everything that I do. I used to be very emotional and I feel like I think at some point I felt like that was causing me problems in my life. So then I started on this path of positivity. And now every time I start to have a feeling of hurt or like I want to cry, <laughs> like I I just write it off. I just like kind of pivot and say like something positive about the situation. So I don't cry or I don't feel that pain. And I think I need to learn a balance between like, yeah, you should be positive about things, but you also need to fully feel or let yourself cry. Yeah. Do you identify as being an empath? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well then good luck with trying to pivot off feeling. (laughs) Yeah. But I really want you to get that because I think that's where positive psychology leads a lot of people astray. For some people, it really works. For other people, it doesn't. Because for you disregarding a feeling is like disregarding breathing. And I'm not saying you indulge in the feeling. So I'm going to give you a way to deal with it to see if it helps. Have you ever heard me talk about making a date with your feelings? Uh, Yeah, I think maybe, but please remind me. So let's say that, you know, you're going to work after this call. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. So let's say it's three hours from now. And something happens at work and it reminds you of this conversation and you feel like you want to cry. Instead of thinking positive, I want you to put one hand on your heart and inside go. And you can do this quickly and you can do it in your head. Just go to the bathroom if you need to. Just say, sadness, I feel you. I acknowledge you're there. And I'm going to give myself full permission to feel you and see what messages you have for me at at 9 p.m. tonight or 10 p.m. tonight or 8 a.m. tomorrow morning when I have space and time. And right now, I'm just going to take a deep breath and tell myself everything's okay. Because you need soothing strategies, not positive thinking strategies. That makes sense. Yeah. And so let's say you make a date with that feeling and and maybe you're too tired tonight. So maybe you say the date is 9 a.m. tomorrow and you journal and you cry and you let yourself just feel. 
and then you do something soothing to replenish it. Because when we release a big emotion, we want to then nurture ourselves. So that could be taking a nice warm shower. That could be listening to a beautiful song. That could be having a cup of tea and cuddling up with a blanket. That could be holding a stuffed animal and rocking. If you've seen a child have a temper tantrum, you've probably noticed that afterwards they just want to be soothed. And if you leave them alone, they'll, they'll, they will self-soothe if in a healthy environment. And that's what was missing. No one was there to soothe you when you were getting triggered by all the fighting and conflict that was going on in your home. And so basically you've just absorbed conflict. Yeah. My only question is, um, once I, I'll, I understand acknowledging it and then setting it aside for later, but I guess I struggle with like, I journal, but I struggle with like emotionally journaling or like really like getting to that place again. Cause it's almost like I still have those feelings, but they feel like they just get buried a little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why help is important at a stage like this, because again, you missed out on some developmental phases and because your parents in a lot of ways were preoccupied with your sister, they weren't there for you in the full way that they needed to be. Do you see that? Yeah, definitely. This is not about blaming them. This is not about making them wrong. This is about helping you understand how you work. So since you missed a lot of that, you may need some help. It may be continuing therapy. It may be, I love that you're in mastery. I'd love for you to come to the spring retreat because that would be a great place to be able to do it. And it's, it's doing these kinds of emotional release work in the presence of someone who knows how to hold you and know how to walk through. And when you're doing it on your own, when you're journaling, instead of a journaling about what is happening, try to do what I call release writing, where you're just writing using I feel statements. I feel sad because I feel angry because I feel mad because I feel hopeless because don't write about what's happening. Write more about what you're feeling. I feel tension in my belly. I'm crying so hard. I can barely see like just get out what you're actually feeling and experiencing rather than trying to describe it. Okay. That makes sense. Cause then there's not as much thought that goes into it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But what I would say to you is I hear you on the self-worth, but let's just put that aside because really this is about learning how to self-soothe and how to really understand yourself as an empath and how to be patient with yourself as you're going back and dealing with some of the things that are coming up for you. Oh, they're hard. (laughs) I know, but you can do it. Definitely. You can totally do it. Does this give you some clarity? Yeah. I mean, I just need to take the action steps and that's where I feel like I've been for a while. (laughs) Well, you're moving out. You bought mastery. I would really encourage you to come to spring retreat. Those are some incredible action steps. You called me today. Like, let's acknowledge you again. Let's be proud of yourself instead of looking how far you have to go. It's important to look at how far you've come. Yeah. Got to know that you can trust yourself and rely on yourself and you can do this. You can do this. Okay. Okay. 
Take good care of yourself. Put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. Take a deep breath. Just say, I am loved and I am safe. Well, in a very short period of time, I felt a lot of emotions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Try saying it out loud. I'm loved and I'm safe. I am loved and I am safe. Yeah. Yeah. And those emotions are coming up, sweetheart, because you feel safe in this moment. Yeah. You're talking to someone that sees you, that understands you. And emotions tend to come up when we feel safe. So keep putting yourself in situations where you feel safe. That makes sense. And keep making dates with those emotions to feel them when you feel safe in your own room, on your own timeline. Stop pushing them aside. Just give them a place where they feel safe to express. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good start. It's a good start. (laughs) This is a step-by-step thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm sending you lots of love. Hopefully I'll see you at the spring retreat. Perfect. Thank you. So this again was one of those calls that started with one question and went in a different direction. So as you heard, Alexis' initial question was about how she has self-worth after getting out of an abusive relationship. And one of the things that I really wanted to emphasize to her and also to you is that a big part of self-worth is feeling proud of ourselves. So I could tell she was still really grieving the relationship and had a lot of shame that she should have known better or she should have got out of it sooner. But she's out and she has to really, really be proud that she got out and she's looking to learn and to grow and to heal. We can't amp up our self-worth if we keep judging and shaming ourselves. So if you are trying to increase your self-worth, I want you to consistently think of things that you're proud of, not just accomplishments, but choices and characteristics and courageous actions that you've taken. Increase that feeling of pride and that's going to increase that feeling of self-worth. So when Alexis was talking to me about her relationships, she said some things that made me think he was a narcissist or at least had some narcissistic tendencies. She said she'd go into a conversation feeling like she knew what she was going to say, but then would leave the conversation feeling crazy. He would even maybe call her crazy and tell her things that made her really doubt herself. He was super charming in the beginning, but then it kind of became all about him. All of these point to a degree of narcissism. And one thing that I pointed out is that narcissists are often very attractive to empaths. Well, and why is that? Well, because empaths have huge hearts and they often see behind the narcissism. So while narcissists are completely self-absorbed, often empaths are selfless. We're so about pleasing others and making sure other people are happy and We're very kind of other focused in a lot of ways. And often that's a combo where both of us can learn lessons. If you haven't listened to my coach's corner with Dr. Judith Orloff, I highly suggest going back and having a listen at this because she really, really talks about why empaths are often attracted to narcissists. So if you are an empath and you are with a narcissist, my big encouragement to you is to get out of the relationship. No matter how much you love them, They really can't feel empathy and they can't give you the love and the attention and the tenderness that you really, really need, not just as an empath, but anyone, (laughs) truly. It's a a tough relationship to be in. So again, I really acknowledge Alexis for getting out. So why is she in this relationship in the first place? Well, a lot of it had to do with her upbringing. 
big shocker. You know from the show that a lot of the choices we make as adults come from what happened to us as a child. She grew up with a lot of chaos in her house. She felt like the attention was mostly placed on her sister. So it makes a lot of sense that what feels familiar to her is not having a lot of the attention placed on her, walking on eggshells, having chaos, feeling like she didn't matter, all things that she felt in the relationship. So I really encouraged her to stick with therapy, to not leave it, and to explore and heal some of these issues she has from childhood. Now, she said she had a fear of doing therapy now because her relationship with her dad was good and she didn't want to you know, mess it up. But here's the thing. Even if her relationship with dad is good now, and I say this to any of you who maybe have a good relationship with someone now that you've had past drama or trauma with or any issues with, you may be afraid that if you go to therapy and start digging it up, it will impact the relationship negatively. Well, here's the thing. It may in the short term because some triggers come up, but in the long term, you're going to have a better, healthier relationship because you're not going to have any resentment and it's going to make your current and future relationships healthier as well. And when it comes to therapy or any personal development, you can't dip your toe in the water and then pull out completely and think that you're going to make progress. Now, if you feel like therapy or any personal development is going too fast and you need to slow it down and it's a little overwhelming, you can tell whoever you're working with, like your therapist, hey, this is really fast. I need to slow it down. But to just bolt completely is going to keep you in the loop of unresolved issues. So I know it can be hard, but you can go slow. The most important thing is to keep going. I also wanted to point out how trying to get out of, you know, triggers or uncomfortable feelings by thinking positive is a dead end for a lot of people, especially empaths, especially people that are highly sensitive. One of your gifts is that you feel deeply. So trying to escape your feelings through positive psychology or pep talk may really lead you astray because you're negating the very essence of of your gifts, of who you are. If you're a feeling person, you have to honor those feelings. Now, like I said, you can make a date with those feelings. You don't have to be emotional every moment of the day. And it's also beautiful to think positively and give positive affirmations, but you don't want to do that while you're numbing and suppressing the feelings. And the biggest thing that I wanted to talk about with Alexis was really learning how to self-soothe. She absorbed a lot of the conflict and chaos in her home. No one was really there to the extent she needed them to be there to reassure her, to tell her that she mattered, to tell her it was okay, to tell her that it was enough, to tell her that if she's scared, someone has her. She really had to learn how to self-soothe herself and how she's doing that is often distracting herself or getting involved in relationships and even codependent relationships that aren't serving her. So my biggest encouragement to her was to learn how to self-soothe, to find that inner parent inside and really be with her feelings. So some takeaways for you. Be proud of yourself, not just in your head. Feel the feelings of pride. It will help with self-worth. Go back and listen to my Coach's Corner with Dr. Judith Orloff if you haven't yet. Make a date with those feelings when they come up if you can't process them in the, in the moment. Don't suppress them or try to avoid them. Just say, hey, sadness, hey, anger, hey, shame, I feel you. I can't totally give you airtime right now, but at 9 p.m. tonight when I'm back in my home, I can. When you're journaling and just describing events, you're really not emotionally processing. Use release writing that I teach in Expectation Hangover in my mastery class. Don't journal about a description of events. Really journal using stem sentences like, I'm mad because I'm angry, because I'm scared, because I'm shamed, because. Get into the feelings. Don't write about what's happening. 
write what you're feeling. And then finally, my favorite self-soothing technique, one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, and just saying and feeling, I am loved and I am safe because you are. All right, everybody, that's the show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It and On With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Bye.